Well, guys, welcome to the Crossways podcast. Uh, we are using a, a new streaming service, um, playing around with it, and uh, we don't quite have our normal music intro, so you'll have to just put up with my voice just talking, soothing you, hopefully not to sleep. But we are glad you're here um, on the Crossways podcast as we talk about ways we can walk in the way of the cross. I'm your host, Jonathan Germany. I'm a minister in Frankfort, Kentucky, and my good friend is on the other side of the screen, my co-host, Josh Fowler from Baton Rouge. Josh, how are you doing? And we're doing great. For the first time in a long time, we have a weekend coming up, and uh, there's no threat of severe weather or hurricanes or anything on the horizon. No uh, hurricanes. Not, not on the horizon. There is one on the horizon that's coming off of uh, coming off of Honduras right now, but we don't have to worry about that till next weekend. So, um, yeah. We don't is know what to do with to, ourselves. Yeah, is it supposed to come back and hit the call and the around you guys? Um, so it's kind of like uh, the election. Um, the models are split. Half of them say it's going to go the other side of Florida. Half of them say it's going to get to the tip of Florida and come back into the Gulf. So um, we'll see. Maybe maybe we'll know uh, who the president is before uh, before we get some uh, hurricane forecast. So. Who knows, right? <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Uh, I stopped watching it. Uh, I was following and I went, you know, for for my life, it's one of those things where I'm going to this. I'm going to live the same way I, w- I would live no matter who, what happens. You know, right. trust that God is in control and uh, he's our king. And I'm still going to help people. I'm still going to be nice to people and, and show love to people. But um. Yeah. I find, the, I find the banter entertaining on uh, on television. I don't find it entertaining on my <laughs> social media feed between my friends and my family, um, but on the news media, I find it entertaining. So yeah, uh, I hear you. I hear you. Oh my goodness! Well, hey guys, we are um, while, while we're I guess talking about this week's episode, this week's parable, which should have been last week's parable, but there was, you know, but if you don't know what we're talking about, go back, uh, get a big kick out of my mistake and uh, it'll be good stuff. But we're talking about the prodigal son and we want to ask you, and I guess I'll, I'll, let's see if I can do this today. I'm going to throw this up here. What are some lighthearted bad decisions that you've made? And uh, if you're watching with us, we'd love for you to answer that question in the chat. Let us know you're here. But what are some lighthearted bad decisions that you've made in your life? And I, I'm, I'm thinking about this because I don't make too many bad decisions. So, Josh, <laughs> I, I'll, I'll let you uh, answer this one first. Oh, um, well, first, you will notice that I've called this episode the parable of the prodigal sons. Because all of my life, I don't want to say all of my life, from as long as I can remember, my dad reminded me that this parable is more about the younger son or the the son that stayed home as it is about the son that left. And so he always called it the parable of the two sons. And um, I didn't even realize there was another parable with that name until it came came up on us last week. So I modified that a little bit. Um, Bad decisions. Uh, especially for going lighthearted, bad decisions. Um, I ordered ribs from a Mexican restaurant. Um, and they were awful. 
Um, but you know, I love ribs and I just wasn't feeling Mexican food one night when we were there. This is probably a couple of years ago, uh, which is rare for me because I'm always up for a good plate of, of Mexican food, but I wasn't feeling it that night. And I was like, Oh, they got ribs. So I think I'll just order some ribs. They were the worst ribs I've ever had in my life. And I've had some pretty bad ribs. Right. Um, yeah. I, I thought maybe I can take them home. I can wrap them up, put them in the oven cook them down a little bit longer, make them a little more tender. I don't even think my dogs would eat them. That's how bad they were. Oh, my. And I will not give the restaurant, because I really love the restaurant for all their Mexican food, but I will never order ribs from a Mexican food place again. Oh, man, um, that's rough. That's rough. It wasn't Taco Bell. We'll put it that no. way. Yeah, yeah. well, <laughs> if, if we're talking lighthearted stuff, and uh, before I found, so uh, I'm very much a guy that, I like to find a good barber, you know, and uh, right now I'm very overdue and uh, I had a skin fade going on and I think it's, it's gone. And uh, so I need to get that back and have them touch up my beard and make me look all fly. But um, before I found the guy that I really liked, I That's decided, a skin fade, Jonathan, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you a skin fade. Come on over. Hey, uh, I, there's a picture of me that when I was in college, another bad decision. That I thought, you know, I, I think um, some people can really pull off the bald look. And some people do it on purpose. I wonder mm. if I could pull that look off. And uh, we're not going to show you a picture. We could show you a picture <laughs> right now. Let's just say that you would not trust me around your children or around anybody, you know, in ministry. <laughs> You'd be like, nope, we're not hiring that guy. I mean, I looked terrifying. And... Uh, you know, I, I can remember being in Ralph Gilmore's class. And for those of you who know Ralph Gilmore, you know he has a no hat rule. And I'm a big guy about no hats inside, <laughs> just in a classroom, that kind of stuff. I can get on board with that. No offense to your hat, Josh. But uh, I, I, I like a hat, but if I'm going to be in a classroom, I'll probably take it off, you know, especially if the professor doesn't like hats. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had a beanie on because it was also I decided to go bald or attempt the bald look in like the coldest month of the year because you know that's intelligent and uh so i had a beanie on and i walked in class and i didn't take it off and he came in the classroom and he went jonathan you know my rule take it off and as i took the beanie off he stopped and he went well maybe you should put it back on <laughs> and uh, i mean it was terrible and uh i think that's good enough of uh, bad decisions about my life uh I'm like, I, that wasn't the one I was planning on telling, but uh, I don't want to get into how many bad decisions I've made. I've made plenty. I'm glad I could bait you into changing your uh, your story on bad decisions. You did. You uh, did. Yeah, there's – I don't know. I, I have generally made pretty good decisions in my life, um, uh, but there's there's been a handful, and I'd like to say they stopped when I was younger. <laughs> um, but, but there's been a lot of less lighthearted decisions that I've made that uh, uh, I would, everyone in my life would be better if I would just go take them back. But thankfully I have a, a wife and a family that's loving and forgiving and overlooks those things. Um, and, you know, some purchases and some things that end up costing us a little more money. I invested some money in uh, slow motion potion. Uh, 
it is it is as un, unreliable of an investment as it sounds like it should be. Uh, instead okay. of an energy drink, it's a drink that you're supposed to take in the evening that's supposed to help you wind down. Oh. Um, the flavors are perp, P-U-R-P. It's purple. It sounds like a, a drug. Um, yellow, Y-E-L-L-A. And Easta Pink, E-A-S-T-A Pink. Those are the three flavors of the slow motion potion. And uh, me and some some guys here were convinced that it was going to be was going to take off. They were on the verge of getting a contract to be sold in Walmart, which never panned out. So my hundred dollar investment is now down to about four dollars and fifty cents. So oh, and well, not not too bad. Not like no, I, no, not like I mortgaged the house or anything. So <laughs> you know, there's there's one of those anti energy drinks and at around Henderson. It's called Drank, and uh, I tell you, it has like a bunch of melatonin in it, some kind of, I don't know, flower root. Oh, I don't know what, what it is, but um, hilarious. I tell you, um, it, it knocked me out, and really? uh, oh, yeah, it was great, and a few of my other friends had it. It was the apparently a big thing around Henderson and at Freed. And uh, people would make drink, you know, towers of the cans and stuff. And I'm like, wow, you guys probably shouldn't drink that much of this stuff. <laughs> but I guess it's better than other towers, you know. Right. And, uh... That's right. <laughs> Got to pick your poison, right? I guess so. So, I guess so. the parable of the prodigal sons. Um, I guess we can go through here. Luke 15. Um, is it found in one of the other Gospels? I don't remember. I do not I think it either. Is. I think it's just in Luke. Um, in Luke 15, you have a man who comes to his father and says, uh, I want my inheritance. And uh, the father gives him his inheritance and he goes away. And the scripture tells us that he squandered his inheritance on um, wild living, right? And this, this kind of scandalous way of life. Um, and then a, a famine comes on the land and he finds himself in a place where he's forced to eat with pigs. And he realizes even my father's hired hands are eating better than me and living better than me. And so he decides to go home, prepares this huge apology speech. Um, and on his way home, the father sees him coming, runs out and meets him, throws him a party um, and you know, and this is kind of where the story kind of I, I resonate with this younger son who comes in from working in the field and like, what's what's going on? And one of the servants has to tell him, hey, your brothers come home. And so your dad's thrown a party. Um, and so the younger son is a little upset. Actually, he's a lot upset. Um, and when the, the father goes out to get the son, he says, you know, your brother was dead, but he's alive. Uh, and and the other son says, I've stayed here, I've worked, I've slaved, but this son of yours comes home. And you kill the fattened calf for him. Um, and then the father looks at the younger son and says, everything I have is yours. Everything that's left is yours. All you had to do was ask. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of the, the parable in a, in a nutshell, right? And we can dissect some things, but uh, definitely. And 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 I and and I want to. I do want to 
make one correction, uh, not to, to, to correct you on, on live and because that's not why I'm doing it. But, um, I think it, it does, it is important for us to understand even the dynamics with this correction. It was the younger son who actually left and the older son who stayed, which even makes it more, yeah, which makes it even more inappropriate for the younger son to ask for his inheritance because there's a, a hierarchy there. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of saying, you know what? I know really a lot of it goes, you know, the older son has first dibs on certain things. I mean, that's kind of their culture. But he's right. saying, hey, I, I want it all now. And uh, I just wanted to make sure we we hit on that. And because uh, I think that will help us as we continue discussing really the reaction from these two sons. Because these two sons, well, like you said, it's a it's a lesson for us to understand that it's not just about the one who left. Right. And not just about the one who stayed and maybe even not just about the father. It's about all characters. So. Yeah. But who, who do you think the main character is here in this, in this parable though? What's it ultimately, you know, what is this parable really about? What is Jesus trying to teach people um, about? I wonder, because of the context, he told all these parables back to back to back about the loss being found. And he was uh, he was responding to these Pharisees and scribes who were complaining about who Jesus was hanging out with. And complaining about, oh no, these bad tax collectors, these sinners, how dare him spend time with them. So I think there's multiple lessons, but for the Pharisees, his original audience, I think it was more about that sec- the, the son who stayed because he was saying, you, you know, you are that, you know, the Pharisees, you are the son who stayed home. You know, you're not the son that left. Yeah. <clears throat> and, uh, but for us, I think, you know, I think the lessons really, depending on what stage of life you're in, could be about all three. You know, just depending on what stage of life you're in. Yeah, and that's, that's kind of the thing with parables, right? Is you can come through and you can find so many different layers of where of where they fit and how they work. Um, I'm I'm kind of of the mind here that, I mean the the sons in this story are important, uh, but what Jesus is really drawing attention to is the father. Yeah. Um, because it is right here in these, you have these three parables. You have the parable of the lost sheep, you have the parable of the lost coin, and you have the parable of the lost son. Uh, and the the onus in all of those is that when something is lost, the one who lost it goes and seeks. Uh, and and not just, you know, I think about my uh, my youngest, he's 16. He'll come in and he'll be kind of half-dressed for school. And it's like, hey, where is your belt? He goes, I don't know. Like, okay. <laughs> well, did you look for it? You know, we have to, we, they have to wear uniforms, so they have to wear a belt. If they aren't wearing a belt, they actually get, you know, a, a dress code violation. So he's like, oh, yeah, I looked. It's not in my room. I'm like, are you sure you looked? Like, if I go look, am I going to find it in your room? Am I going to find it in your floor? Am I going to find it in your shorts from yesterday? He goes, hmm, maybe I'll go look again. <laughs> right. And, and so 
so a lot of times we have this idea that we've looked for something, um, but you haven't really looked for something until you've looked from through from a mother or a father's perspective, searching mm -hmm. to find it. Um, lost children, lost pets, things that are of great value. You know, we search for those things in a different way than we search for a lost belt, especially yeah. if it's a lost belt that's a school belt and it's not even one of the belts I like to wear. And, yeah. and so you see the father who is waiting for the son to come home and he sees him from a long ways off and he runs to meet him and, and you see what happens when he finds what's lost. Uh, so I, that's that's kind of the, the main character that I see in this is the sons are important. All these things that transpire around the sons are important. Uh, but I think Jesus is really pointing us to a really intense character trait of the father here. Yeah, um, definitely. Definitely. And, and I think it's important for us to, I mean, I think I used to think that was the bigger story was, you know, growing up was how much God loves me, you know, because we noticed that the father was, you know, he didn't just see up, oh, look, my son's walking up the driveway, you know, or, you know, for, you know, more modern day language, you know, he saw him still quite a ways off. You right. know, now it wasn't, you know, was obviously not well-developed area in the sense of our minds well-developed, but he saw him far off, which meant he was still anticipating his son's return. Right. He, he was anticipating the time when he would see him, you know, way off in the, you know, the country making his way home. And he didn't say, oh, I'll wait for him to get up here and then I'll meet him outside. No, he, he met him halfway at least said so he went off, you know, basically chasing after him, which is, I think a, a big deal. Yeah. You know? And so, so there's a, there's an aspect of this that I had never even thought of until I read the book, um, misreading scripture through Western eyes. Um, and they do a really nice job in there of looking at context of, of some of these stories and parables and the things that we read in scripture. Uh, and, and not in a way of trying to help, trying to change the way we see things, but they give you questions to ask when you read through certain narratives and stories in the Bible. And when it came to this one, they said, um, what do you do with the famine? And I had to think for a minute and I thought, I don't <laughs> think I ever even, it didn't never even registered to me that there's a famine in this story. What famine? <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I remember it's like, okay, oh yeah, there was a famine. So the guy he was working for couldn't afford to pay him or feed him. So he had to eat with the pigs, but that famine is in there. Uh, and he said, you know, if you, if this story is read in, in other parts of the country, the, you would ask him the questions about the wastefulness of the sons. What do you do with the wastefulness? And they would go, the wastefulness. Oh yeah. He did spend his money really poorly. Um, but I was so focused on the famine that I didn't realize that aspect of the story, right? They would see it totally differently. And so, you know, I wonder how much of this um, parable is really talking about the way the father shows up in times of despair, whether that be of our own making or whether it be the whole community is in despair um, because of the famine. This man can't even afford to feed his hired hands, so they have to eat with the pigs. Um, that's how, that's what's going on here. Um, so I thought that was a, an interesting just 
aspect of it to bring up that I hadn't really thought about what God does. Yeah. And, and, and I think what's that, how's that relate to us then? You know, with God showing up in times of despair, we see that over and over and over in the, in the, in scripture, old and new Testament. But we almost feel like, well, yeah, sure. He did that then, but does he do that now? And I think we forget that a lot of times he, He's still the God he was then. You know, he's still he's still the God now that he was then. It's just have we are we too blind to see how he's acting? Are we too blind to see how he's present in our lives? Yeah. And and this this is one of the things that I love about these stories is I think you really see the living nature of the word of God. Um I think we have to be careful to make sure that you know, we don't ever assign a meaning or intention to scripture that it it wasn't intended from the beginning. Um, but just like we see prophecies, those prophecies had a meaning for the people who Isaiah and the prophets were speaking to. They had a longer term uh, meaning for the people of Israel. Um, and, and so we see the layers in which the word of God works. And, and I think a lot of these parables are the same way because you know, you see some things that they would have seen and really registered, but then there's other layers of the nature and the character of God that we see playing out. Um, and we see the way God just continues to pursue people, lost things, that the lost things are never lost to God. He searches and he searches uh, and he searches until he finds them. And, and, and whether or not people will choose to kind of accept that position of being found then is up to them. But it's never because God has given up on the pursuit. Um, and, and I think that's one of the, the big things we can take from that is how the, the living nature of the word of God and, and the constant state of pursuit that we are in by the Father. Whether we're just a little lost or a whole lot lost, <laughs> we're still lost. Uh, and, and we still need uh, to be in the presence of the Father to find that fulfillment, Right. Yeah. And, and I wonder, and, and, uh, and I'm looking at some of our show notes here about, you know, expectations of children and uh, what were the expectations of these, of these two sons? You know, when I, when I see it, the, the expectation was you don't leave and you should stay. But then because of his actions, do we then see the father saying, well, because you chose poorly, I no longer love you. Well, no, that's not at all what we see. And then when the son returned, what was the expectation of the son's return? Well, yeah. We, we should be happy he's back. But Now. Yeah. That's our expectation now, right? Yeah. Because, you know, then because of the way he's kind of gone about, the expectation is if he comes back, he's coming back as a hired hand. Yeah. Like he's not coming back and, and finding himself in the grace of his father. Um, because of the act of disrespect, you know, today we have an expectation that my children are not in my house, right? I'm looking here and I give my kids a hard time, right? My youngest is, is 16. And I said, listen, in two years, I will be an empty nester. Um, that means you can't live here anymore. You have to go find your own place to live. <laughs> I'm going to go be out on your own. Um, I have plans to live life and you're always welcome in my home as a guest. 
Um, and we, we joke about those things, right? But that is that is the expectation that they will go out and be on their own. Not necessarily the expectation in this day. The expectation is they would take that inheritance and continue to grow and prosper the family in that space and in that in that same area. And so to abandon that expectation and then come back, I mean, the 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 the, the son probably had right what he should have received when he came home. Uh, but the father is a father of grace and a father of mercy. Um, and he has that, that statement with the, with the older son. It says, this brother of yours was dead and he is alive again. Um, I think that tells you the, the depth of, um, of the hurt, I guess, that's caused when someone comes and says, I know I used to get my inheritance after you die, but I really don't want to wait that long. So can you give me my money now so I can go? Um, that's a, that's an offense, you know? And yeah. And it, it, it's really interesting because, you know, a, as we're seeing this, this celebration, you know, and they're, they're, you know, killing the fattened calf. He's celebrating, he's getting nice shoes, you know, a ring, the best robe. Hold up. I thought he already <laughs> got his inheritance. Right. right. You know, so if I'm the, you know, this older son saying time That's out, my robe. You, yeah. Yeah. You already gave him his share and it's not our fault if he decided to just squander it. Right. And because under this, these Western eyes we look at, that's what we see. But it also this inheritance for them was still a very prideful thing, too, because let's also remember they're still in a famine. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. That's they're, right. They're they're still in a famine. It says when the famine came, he said, man, I'm really in need. I had it better back home. So he came. They're still under a famine. His Now he's getting more stuff. And then they're killing the best fat, the best, you know, calf, the fattened calf. And his son came home and said, you know, hold up. You wouldn't give me anything to hang out with my friends. And perhaps that's because of the famine. Right. Perhaps, yeah. you know, it's not because, oh, I'm a tough you know, father. You can't have this stuff. He goes, you never even gave me a young goat. He goes, but now he came home and now he goes, he's devoured all these things. So he says he's been wasteful. But then now you've killed the fattened calf. You know, he's saying we're still in a famine, dad. <laughs> you know, hold up. You know, I, I've done my part. I've suffered faithfully, you know. This is not fair, you know, and and even the aspect of he walks up on the party. You yeah. know, I mean, he's out in the field and I'm, I'm putting myself in his shoes. and I'm going, yeah, I'm I would tired. be indignant <laughs> as well because I'm out here working. OK, fine. He comes home. and OK, fine. You decide to throw a party. You can't come get me. You can't send a servant to say. Come home early. We're having a party because your brother's home. Um, no, I have to walk up and figure out what's going on, find a servant and say, what's going on? And they say, oh, your father's killed the fattened calf because your brother's home. And so. What brother? <laughs> yeah, right. Right. Exactly. And, and so I'm sitting there going, yes, man, preach. You, you go get everything you deserve. He should have treated you that way. And then you get here to the end. Um, and the father looks at the son and says, didn't you know? It's like, what do you mean I wouldn't give you anything? 
everything I have is yours. Yeah. If you wanted something, all you had to do was ask. All you had to yeah. do was ask. That fattened calf was yours. If you wanted it, you could have you could have had it. You could have used it. I don't yeah. have to give you anything because it's already been given to you. Um yeah. and, and and I wonder how many times as as people of God, as Christian people, as disciples of Jesus Christ, we find ourselves in that state of lostness. Not not out squandering our wealth in wild living, not out, you know partying and living in the way of the world, but living in the presence of God and having no clue what he has asked us to do or having no clue of what he has made available to us as people who are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, and I mean, frankly, that may not be lost in the sense of um, condemned, but it is a state of being lost in the presence of God. And yeah. God is just saying, look, there is so much more available to you that you're not using. You're not even aware that it's there. Yeah. Um, and that to me is, was, is, is really a, an eye-opening conversation that goes on there between the father and the son who stayed. So. Yeah, I, I think, and maybe it's, I think Americans, or sorry, Christians today, maybe even more specifically Americans today, American Christians today, relate more to that son who stayed. And uh, because of the multi different reasons of, you know, we are here, we, we do have the sense of duty still, right? The sense of those who stay or those who are, who are doing right. But like you said, sometimes, and I'll say we, we get lost in the sense of not residing in what God has for us and not being busy, not allowing this, you know, spirit to speak, the spirit to, to live out in our lives. You know, I once heard, I think it was Keith Parker say, he used to say, you know, you have, you know, talking about Galatians, you know, we walk by the spirit. He says, you have to let the spirit in the driver's seat. And he said, well, then he started realizing, well, you have to let it drive, <laughs> you know, you, no backseat drivers when it comes to the spirit, right? No backseat <laughs> drivers when it comes to, to walking with Christ. He says, you, he has to be in the driver's seat and then you have to actually let him drive. And uh, so I think sometimes we miss out on that. But then when others who have left come home and are ready to get to work and say, hey, I messed up. And they come from this complete humility, right? This humble spirit saying, let me just serve. I don't need anything special. I just want to work. We almost are asking questions. Well, have they publicly repented? Uh, are they are they sincere? Can we trust them to come back? Like this brother. Well, hold up. Mm -hmm. We we need to ask questions first because some of this stuff, you know, you've never celebrated me and all the hard work I've done, you know, and it's a me focus here with this oh this oh this son who stayed mm -hmm. instead of just being happy, man. My brother's home. We can worry about logistics later. We can worry about, you know, sincerity later. But in fact, it's really not our job to judge in that sense. But it is our job to say, let me encourage this person because they are back. And if and it's, and it's obvious he came with in, a, in, in humility that I, don't even call me a son anymore. I just want to serve you. I just mm -hmm. want to get to work. 
because this life is better. Uh, I've learned my mistake by now. It's our job to rejoice in those circumstances. And I wonder if we've lost, and again, we talked about just what, a couple months ago, this, the spiritual discipline of celebration. This brother did not know how to celebrate. <laughs> and I yeah, think we, some, yeah. There's some, there's some work to be done there. I think one of the other things that we uh, really underappreciate or maybe don't even recognize as Christians is um, the the characteristics of Christ that are imputed on us as people who are in Christ. Um, you know, that's a it's a big you know theological term that um, you know just just means that if there is a characteristic or a trait that is assigned to Christ, it is now assigned to you and me who are in Christ. Mm-hmm. That being being Christian, having been covered by the blood of Jesus, we see as Paul talks to us in, in, in Corinthians and I think in Romans as well, how we are clothed in Christ so that every character trait that is assigned to Jesus is now assigned to you and I because we are in Christ. Um, I don't know if we really truly grasp the power behind that concept. You know, we we tend to see ourselves as forgiven sinners, as this prodigal son who's coming back, and it's like, I just want to be like one of the hired hands. And yeah, you've forgiven me, but I'm still always going to feel like a hired hand. He goes, no. God sees you with every character trait that he sees his son, Mm -hmm. because you are clothed in Christ. And in Christ, you have the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells within you that we tend to suppress and put aside and ignore. And there is so much more that God wants to do with you and me in our lives. And all we have to do is open ourselves up and say, okay, God, I'm here. Show me your power. Show me what you want from me. I want to use all the things that you've placed at my disposal. Um, Now let's go change this world together. Um, And better yet, how about you go and change the world and you just use me as some uh, avenue through which your power is going to be wielded in this darkness? Um, and, and I think we've just kind of left those things on the shelves and, and assigned them to to Christ or to the Spirit or to God. And we haven't even realized that those very things that we've assigned as characteristics of Jesus, God has assigned those to us because we're in Christ. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Man, well, I guess the, the last and any other practical lessons, you know, I think one, and it's it's here in our notes too, and we've mentioned it already. One of the main things I pull out of this is just how much God's looking for us, how he's actively seeking us. You know, a lot of times people say, well, unless they're seeking God, it, it won't. No, 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 no. It's It's both. But let's not forget that God is seeking out the lost. Mm-hmm. And, and like you said, if we're, and if we're supposed to take on those traits, we should be seeking out the lost. You know? Yeah. Well, and I have, so right here at the church building, we share a fence with a sober living house. And it's temporary living. And so guys will be in there for anywhere from three to six months at a time. Um, And every once in a while, one of them will come out to, you know, usually smoke in the backyard early on a Sunday morning. 
and I'll start a little conversation with him. And um, I've I've had the opportunity to not really counsel, but but to have some a little bit of time with with several of these guys that come through there. And you know, they always come back to this question: is like, man, it's like I know you say that God loves everybody, but you don't know what I've done. One of them came to me the other day, and he said, "I killed a man." Um, I was drunk and I was high and I killed a man. And he said, I don't know why. He said, I shouldn't should have gotten jail time for it. Uh, he said, but if that isn't bad enough, I didn't learn my lesson. Uh, because six months later, I ran a man off the road who was on a motorcycle. And because of me, he'll never be able to walk again. And the policeman who pulled me over didn't do a field sobriety test. Um, otherwise, I'd be serving 25 to life right now. Um, but he's been sober now for, uh, six months, uh, six months tomorrow. He'll be sober. That's great. And, and I shared this story with him. I said, you know, I know you think that you've done some things that God could never forgive. Um, and people have a harder time forgiving. Um, but God is always waiting for you to come home. And it doesn't matter how far away you've been. Um, he is always sitting at the window, watching, watching the road. Uh, and almost we have this this image of the father that as soon as the son turned his face towards home, he ran to meet him. Uh, and and I don't I don't think that lesson can can be preached loudly enough in this world. The father is always waiting for you to come home. That's great. Uh, that is great. Well, I think that's a a perfect thing to end on. And uh, perfect story to end on. So uh, I'll just do my closing thoughts. And Josh, I'll let you take over to, to do what you need to do to end the broadcast after we tell everyone farewell. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we'll be back here on Thursdays at 12 Eastern, 11 o'clock Central. Grab your lunch and join us as we talk about how we can walk in the way of the cross. As always, I'm your host, Jonathan Germany, my co-host, Joshua Fowler. We'll see you guys next week.